Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host for today's conversation. We have been talking about the hallways of our home and how to create our home as a safe, sacred, stable, secure, rock solid place in which we, our family, can grow. Yes, we are in the midst of a special edition of the podcast because this COVID-19 pandemic has wrecked our worlds. And as of Monday of this week, I live in Virginia. The state of Virginia's sheltering in place has now been extended to June 10th. It is April 1st. And we've been sheltering in place for two, three weeks. So this is quite a new normal. And I know you could hear that in that big, deep breath I just took. Because it is riveting. It is shocking. It is shaking everyone's world, all over the world, this pandemic. Unseen in my lifetime, for sure. And according to history, the last pandemic was 1918. And so this is a new normal, which we're all trying to figure out and navigate individually and corporately and medically and governmentally and politically and psychologically and emotionally and on and on. My passion, my heartbeat is your family. It's your home. Because when our homes are a safe, secure, stable place in which to be, we can pretty much handle about anything. And we are in a season of being forced. And I know that that is a strong word, but it is the only word I can wrap my brain around that we're being forced home from work, from everything has shut down, basically, except grocery stores and essential businesses. And that is not going away anytime soon. And so we've been talking about that in the last uh, season three. So just tune in there. But as I've promised, I wanted to, for the next few episodes, just have a conversation with you, be present, be here, be transparent, and just not only offer some hope and some help for navigating this new normal within your family. Because honestly, we are in such a busy culture that we have lots and lots of disordered attachments. And I'm just go back and, and re-listen. I'm not going to reiterate that today. And we can sometimes hide behind those disordered attachments, uh, the fact that we are not 
in a good marriage, that our family is not doing well, et cetera, et cetera. We can hide behind our busyness. We can hide behind the facades that everything in our life is great. We hide behind the facades of our social media interaction. But that's being taken away in the sense that we're all home, being forced to be home, work from home, stay home, everything. So that in and of itself is going to lead, absolutely going to lead to us going bonkers. <laughs> it's just, as I said last time, it's too much bonding. I homeschooled for 14, 15 years, and my children and I throughout the years would go, wow, there's just a little bit too much togetherness going on in this house, so we need to each go to our room and have our 30 minutes of silence or 60 minutes, and whoo, we need a break from each other. And we loved each other, and we had a pretty healthy home, and yet, you know, you can drive each other crazy. So I love the way that author Belinda Luscombe, She's the author of Mariology, The Art and Science of Staying Together. She, she writes these words in a fabulous Time Magazine article that was published March 27, 2020. And I will link you to the resources that I mentioned today over on my Facebook page at Janelle Reardon or on my Instagram at Janelle Reardon or on the at Speak Healing Words, the podcast Instagram so please check there, subscribe at JanelleRearden.com so that you just get these resources in your inbox and you get inspiration and you get some hope and some help and all the things. She writes, have you recently noticed how loud your partner chews? <laughs> oh, that her placement of items in the fridge is illogical. I love how it says her. That his consumption of toilet paper, soap, the good snacks is remarkably high. That parenting is not one of his or her or our core strengths. If so, you might be married during a pandemic. <laughs> oh, writers, is that not the best introduction to a, a, an article? It's just so darn good. As the coronavirus is obliging us to spend the vast majority of our hours in the same surroundings with the same human adult, we have to figure out new ways of working, living, parenting, and just getting along with each other. The good news is that couples now have plenty of opportunities and together time to hash out these issues that they may have been avoiding. Okay, that's what we were saying in the beginning. Belinda is just affirming. We hide behind our busyness, our disordered attachments, sidelines of activities, um, athletic activities, we're dance classes, judo, martial arts, music, art, etc., etc. The bad news is that they now, more or less, we have to hash out those issues that they may have been avoiding. I'm going to make this sentence personal. The bad news is that we now, more or less, have to hash out the issues that we have been hiding behind or avoiding. Who's an avoider? I am in certain things. Certainly an avoider. I have an avoidant attachment. 
styles. So was I just avoid uncomfortable conflict situations. And now under pressure cooker conditions, we are going to probably either sink or swim. I added that. The article is so good and I will give you the link, but I wanted to talk about what the Gottman Institute, which are just, they're known for how to live in solid, healthy relationships and marriage. Julie Gottman writes, anxiety is rampant and people are potentially taking some of that anxiety out on each other. We are seeing, I'm adding this, we are seeing domestic violence cases uprising, child abuse, and this is just horrifying. So the relationships that are perhaps a bit unsteady, uncomfortable, perhaps have had some tension and don't have ways of dealing with stress altogether can spiral downwards. In fact, after COVID-19 cases began to subside in China and people were able to go out again, there was a reported surge in divorce filings. Yeah, so so desperately sad. But I think um, as, as Dr. Brene Brown writes in her work that this pandemic, in my humble opinion, is a, is a reckoning. It's a lot of things probably, and I'm just one opinion. But I believe it's a reckoning. It is a, an awakening. It is a, a knock on the door of our homes. And because I frame my world through the Judeo-Christian frame, the worldview, I see my world through the teachings and the ways of Jesus. I believe God himself is involved in a way that he's knocking on our door. And he's saying, hmm, how are you doing today? How is your family doing? And I am extending that to you today as well. I really do care how you and your family are doing. And I can only offer my voice and my heart to you through this platform, this podcast and my blog and my writings and my social Instagram and Facebook presence, but I offer it to you and I want to be here for you. So I'm not, I, I'm asking you to subscribe because I want you to get help and get resources. If you are in this situation where perhaps you have been hiding or avoiding or just sticking your head in the sand like an ostrich, and waiting for the day when your children are getting wa- getting ready to go away to college and you and your wife can then separate or figure things out for the sake of the family. No, don't wait. Today is your day. Today is the opportunity. It is the opportune Kairos, God-breathed moment for you to hear the knock on the door, open the door, and invite God in and welcome him in and welcome me and others out in this sphere of the helping professions and get the help that you need. Today is the day. I don't want you to wait another day. Oh, it'll get better tomorrow. It'll get better tomorrow. I'm just going to not worry about it. I'm just going to go hide in my room. I'm just going to hide behind my screen time. I'm not going to just, no, face it, fight it 
fiercely come for help because today's the day. In this article as well, Belinda offers um, advice from many, actually three pairs of marriage therapists, so not many, um, who are married to each other, but they also work and live side by side. So I love that she asked experts who way before the pandemic have been living, working at home side by side all the time. They're never apart. So I'm just going to go through them. I'm not going to read from every one of them because there are 11 of them and you can read. I know that you can. Here are their tips. Cool it with the criticism. Now is not the time to be pointing out mistakes. The time to be pointing out mistakes is almost never, but mid-crisis is agrarious, especially when it comes to money. Okay, I'm going to let you read it. I'm flipping the page, as you can hear, because this catches every little noise. Now is a time for appreciation. And I will read this. It's really important for people to look for what partners are doing right and to express appreciation for it, adding that some of it can be subtle. Thank you. Tell them thank you for making the coffee, even if it's for the 500th time. Helen Hunt, who lives with the other massive marriage and interpersonal relationship master, Harville Hendricks, she created the Imago method of marriage therapy. And so she writes in Getting the Love You Want, she recommends telling your spouse three things you appreciate about them that day before you go to sleep at night. And I'm going to recommend that for the whole family. So we're going to just pause right here for a minute for a practical nuts and bolts that one way that you can navigate these murky, stormy at time waters of this sheltering in place, pandemic induced situation that has heightened everyone's anxiety and fears and frustrations and is heightening possibly what was already not good in the family, heightening it to really bad. One thing we need to do is hunker down and have a family time. And so I'm just going to throw that out here at the beginning, but at the end, I'm going to give you the tools of how to do that. So we're going to have that family time where we do encourage and speak healing words into each member of the family or each person who is existing in your quarantine, quarantine camp. The second thing they suggest is be more curious than furious. So with all the new responsibilities brought on by the coronavirus, it may feel like your spouse is not doing enough or has committed an act of personal treason, but it's more likely that they're just distracted, hungry, or have motivations that are invisible to you. High stress always brings out people's relational coping skills. And we're going to get to that in a future broadcast, future episode. Talking is the most dangerous thing people do, especially when they are stressed. Listening is the most infrequent thing people do, especially when they are stressed. So talking, listening is what we want to be doing here. One short little lovely, um, beautiful thing that has come up in my relationship with my husband, because we're empty nesters. So it's just my husband and I living at home. All three of our children live far, far away. 
and I'm home all day because he, my husband, is still considered an essential business. We're con- contracting kitchen and baths and contracting and building and remodeling, so he's essential. And even though it's just he and I, or me and him, however you say that, I am finishing up my next book. The edits are due after I finish this. And I am seeing clients virtually, virtual distance counseling. So I work from home. So that doesn't mean that I don't need help from my husband. So through a little tete-a-tete, little thing, um, he is now really stepping up. And we've been married almost 36 years. And he's like, usually, you know, just he's always been helpful. He always walks in the back door. What can I do? How can I help you? I, I know I'm very blessed and I'm very grateful. But he's stepping it up. He's like, let me help you. I'll do the I'll do the laundry. I got this. You go sit down. You go do your work. You finish that. How can I make can I make the salads for dinner? He's just being helpful. He's being considerate. And that is what we need in the middle of a crisis is for everyone to exercise additional empathy, kindness, consideration, thoughtfulness. Okay. Number three is let them feel bad or okay about the current crisis. You're not necessarily going to see eye to eye. You're going to have to learn in this pandemic, in the sheltering in place, the quarantine, the mandates. You Now they're telling me you can really don't go anywhere unless you just go to the grocery store for an essential need, not just to walk around and get outside in the grocery store to have a little field trip. And so, whew. That's a lot. So you're going to have to figure out how to agree to disagree. And that now is not the time to go down that road during the crisis. So fourth, buy some time or trade for it. If it's possible, build some time alone into the schedule, even if it's only a half an hour. 30 minutes of silence, and we'll talk about that. So barter, how can we figure this out so you have some time alone and I get some time alone? And yeah. Fifth, do what your ancestors did. (laughs) Intimacy, as the Willises politely call it, is also key. Too much togetherness and stress can have an unsexy effect on partners who live together. But getting it on can also be a stress reliever as well as a nice break from Netflix. I love this. I think I've been telling my husband that. It's like, you know, we're like pioneers. We get up when the sun gets up and we go to sleep when the sun goes down and Every day looks like the other one, and we're doing the same monotonous things every day. So yeah, you still need intimacy. Break it up. If the pioneers figured it out and they were in one room, so can you. I just love it. It's so good. Six. Okay, so seven. Plan out your days, but not too tightly. I love that. So uh, another woman, a couple that I follow, um, I love so, so much Rob and Kristen Bell. Uh, I heard them on their podcast, the Rob podcast um, in the grounding episode. Christian just saying, Kristen saying, make sure you leave room for the magic. You know, you want to have a schedule. You want to have a rhythm, but you don't want to be so rigid that you don't leave room for the magic. And I love that. Like wake up in the morning with that intention. God, sprinkle your glory dust all over this house and surprise us today with little visits of love and joy and laughter. Speak it into your home. Speak those healing words. Yes, please. 
Speak those healing words. Take, oh, make an appointment for your fights. So if a seemingly significant, insignificant spat is suddenly getting out of hand, the Gottmans recommend postponing it for at least half an hour, but not for longer than 24 hours. One person calls a timeout and says a time when they will come back and continue the conversation. They then can get out of each other's way and do something that calms them. Anything that brings down the sense they are being attacked, which we call in the psychological world flooding. So it's like a conflict blueprint, they call it, that you can work out a resolution only after each of you state your the other's point of view to the satisfaction of the other person. So 95% of healthy conflict is being able to understand the other person's perspective, right? Because my truth is my truth. My perception is my perception. And my husband's truth is his truth. And his perception is his perception. So most of our unhealthy conflict would come in our stubbornness, in our unhealthy way of managing anger, where I don't give space to calm down in order to hear his truth, his perception, and him to hear mine. There's a beautiful uh, book by Dr. Jim Peterson, Why Don't We Listen Better? I would order that today by midnight. Why don't we listen better? I studied that book thoroughly during my master's program. Keep it close to me in my counseling practice and in my own life. Really highly recommend that. Okay, we're going on. Take your arguments elsewhere. Your kids don't want to see you fight. Okay, I'm going to let you read through this, but they recommend our best conversations are when we're talk when we're walking. Sometimes on a walk, people will open up more because they're side by side. Uh, the Gottmans recommend uh, that you sit on the floor in the bathroom where their daughter couldn't hear their arguments. So you'll figure that out. You do not want to argue, yell, scream in front of your children or even where they will be in earshot. I don't recommend hiding your conflict, but if you're going to be unruly <laughs> and not have the ability to manage the conflict in a healthy manner in front of your children, first and foremost, please get help and learn how because that does have damaging effects on your children. It does, I promise. Once again, if you do, if we flip our lid, like we've been talking about on our Facebook Lives, if we flip our lid, then we need to be quick to make meaning of it and apologize and settle the state of the atmosphere of our home in front of our children and let them see us manage it in a healthy way. Respect the now invisible boundaries. We're all in one space. Some of us have bigger spaces. Some of us have smaller spaces. Some of us have one room with a loft. I mean, woo. And even though your partner might not look busy, you know, you do need to be considerate in 
just jumping in and asking them to help or do this or that. You want to make sure that it is you're practicing that thoughtfulness once again. Ask for what you want, what you really want. That's all. What you really want, right? Ask for what you want. Your partner is probably a wonderful, wonderful person, but definitely is not a mind reader. So that's just a huge basic tenet in healthy conflict is you cannot read someone else's mind and they can't read yours. And if all else fails, they write, try comedy. That is something my husband and I have implemented and neither one of us did this very well before, but just learning to laugh at ourselves, learning to laugh not at someone, but with someone. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. And the reason we would interpret someone laughing at us is if we perhaps have an insecure attachment like we've been talking about, which creates insecurity, which left unmanaged and unhealed leads to inferiority. So we once again want to make sure that our home is a secure base, that our relationships inside of our homes are secure relationships where everybody feels safe Everybody feels seen, everybody feels soothed, and everybody feels stable. Expect conflict, my dear friends. It's messy and it's going to happen. There is no way, I'm going to knock on a little wood, there's no way that in this heightened pandemic where it, the news is worse every day right now, that we are not going to experience interpersonal conflict. So expect it. Do not have unrealistic expectations that this is a Norman Rockwell painting that is going to keep happening day after day. By definition, conflict is created by opposing needs, values, or viewpoints. Everyone has blind spots, right? Everyone has shortcomings. We have different beliefs. We have different perception. We just talked about that. We have different opinion. We have different ideas of how to do things. So what do we do? And sometimes if we, if we ignore, if we avoid those issues without addressing them, and we sweep them under the carpet. We so we think we just sweep them under the carpet. But you've heard this here before. Dr. Adele LaFranc, France, who I actually got to just talk with today through Messenger. She writes, sweep negative emotions under the carpet and you sweep them into the nervous system. And I'm going to add this. If you sweep unaddressed issues under the carpet and in the foundation of your home, you're going to sweep them right into the nervous system of your family. And that does not end well, my friends. This is what I do for a living. I love family systems. I work with family systems. And so many times by the time the family comes to me, it's through a broken mama or a heart-wrenching, broken child, and they don't understand why they're doing what they do, well, it's because their house, their home was built upon a foundation of yelling, screaming, anger, abuse, etc. 
So conflict is created by opposition, of course. And if sometimes if we keep sweeping it under the carpet, it will come out sideways. I was reading today by backbiting, sarcasm, gossip, jealousy, sickness, depression, tantrums, outburst. And I want to add a, a spiritual um, intuitive thought here that I experienced in my own child rearing days. And you know, my oldest 33, my twins are going to turn 30. So 33 years ago that many times, um, and this isn't, this is just reality. The sins of our fathers are passed on through the generations to the fourth and fifth, to the third and fourth. Uh, it's a biblical, a biblical principle. And so there may be things that come up in our family that are just in our spiritual DNA that's just been passed down, passed down, passed down. It might be sarcasm. It might be gossip. It might be screaming and yelling and anger. It might be worry. It could be, um, you know, so many things. So we as followers of Jesus have the word to lead and guide us when we're perplexed and we have the Holy Spirit to call upon to say, why does my son, my three-year-old keep biting his sister? Why, you know, what, where is that anger coming from? That little child has no idea. The Bible says that folly is, is inside of their heart. <laughs> Foolishness is bound inside the heart of a child. That's what it says in the Proverbs. And as a parent, that can be maddening. But I just remember getting down on my knees and crying out to God, why is my little one so angry? I can't figure it out. And God would be faithful and he would meet me and he would lead me and guide me on how to navigate that root issue that had been passed down through my family of anger. And I talked about my own anger issue last time, and that was a DNA. That was part of the coming through my lineage. So what do we do? Because time is ticking. What do we do then? So first and foremost today in our conversation, I just want to make sure that I nail, 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 nail home that we have to have a solid, rock solid foundation in our home and we have to create a safe environment in which our children can grow, in which our marriage can grow, and in which we as individuals can grow. The soil, the foundation of our home needs to be safe. Okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? It looks like we operate in that threefold cord. We have a healthy sense of self. Mom and dad know individually who they are. They each have a sense of value and worth and dignity individually and as marriage partners. It's me plus you equals we. That's the equation. A healthy me, a healthy you equals and creates a healthy we. You do not have to be married to take that to heart because we all have interpersonal relationships in our sphere of influence that when we show up healthy and the other person shows up healthy, as healthy as you can be on that day, you will have a healthy we, you will have a healthy relationship. 
a healthy foundation is built. I wrote um, Rock Solid Families, Transforming an Ordinary Home into a Fortress of Faith in 2007. My first book was published. And I offered 12 foundation stones in that book. Vision, flexibility, order, organization, marriage, devotion, prayer. Foundation eight was spiritual success, obedience, then love, grace, and creativity. I still love this book. It's a little outdated being written in 2007 because there's nothing in it about social media or the internet or Google or any of that that's come to be. But the foundation stones in this book are solid. And I encourage you, it's, it's still available on Amazon. There are a few copies left at my publisher. And so I encourage you, mom and dad, especially if you really don't know how to have a healthy family, Rob and I didn't, and I share that a lot. We really didn't know what that looked like. We had no idea, actually. Um, but we, we figured it out together because we had a mission and a vision that was we will raise a family that follows hard after Jesus and that loves one another unconditionally and who is present for one another. And we did. We did the best we could at that time, and we're continuing to grow, and we will always do better the next day. Always. We're committed to always learning. That's such a secret. So that foundation is built on security and safety. I feel safe. I'm seen. I belong in my home. I trust my parents. I trust my siblings. I may not like them all the time. I won't like them all the time. But I'm committed to this tribe. I'm committed to this family. They're my people. They're my people. And I will live and die with these people. The second thing I highly recommend at this point uh, today, once you've studied or thought or learned or asked me, Janelle, I don't know how to create a safe home. Help me. I will help you. I'm here. Order Rock Solid Families. That will be a great blessing to you. It's an easy, quick read. Um, the second thing is to accept each other at base value. And you do that by really seeing every person inside of the family as the individual that they are. I think Rob and I did a good job at that, but we're doing a better job at it now because we know so much more. I, I believe in our parenting, we really did try to make our children all be like us, you know, follow suit. It's easy to do when they're small. We're going here, we're going there. You're going to that church. You're going to that Sunday school. You're doing this. We're going there. You're going there. It's easy when they're little. But now having adult children, um, I, I, I think Rob and I are doing a better job at really seeing each adult child as a separate living being with a very distinct personality. And a huge part of learning each member of the family's personality in our life has been through the beautiful um, personality typing system called the Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. And I will um, be having a guest on soon to talk more about that and how to implement that within a family system. But the Enneagram, I'll put the links up on our post on Facebook and Instagram so that you can learn more. And we have nothing but time right now. So all of you can take the Enneagram test and figure out, oh, there's nine types. You're that. No wonder you do what you do. And the beautiful part of that system to me is that it gets behind the motives of what we do of why we do what we do. And it's eye-opening. 
And it, I can vouch that it has really changed our family system in that we are more accepting of one another as a personality and then accepting of our family system as a personality. And it is giving us much more insight and empathy on how to love each other better. It's, it's so helpful. And at this point, I'd like to also encourage you to go back to track season two, episode 21 and episode 22. Episode 21 is acceptance and episode 22 is accountability. Because inside of a family system, we need to be able, yes, to accept one another at, at base value for our personality and who God made us to be and not try to make everybody the same because that's just that's a grievance to the power of God's creativity. But we also need to hold one another accountable and do that well. So a family system that operates with healthy conflict is able to accept one another unconditionally with empathy, but also be able to hold one another accountable in love, in respect, in integrity, and grace. So in a healthy conflict situation, we don't shame one another. There's no shaming. There's no shame statements. You're an idiot. You're stupid. You'll never be anything. Just saying those words make my face scrunch up in a really ugly, distorted way. <laughs> Healthy conflict, that's what we're here for. And then the last thing I'm just going to talk about today is make sure everyone is safe to tell their story, which we talked about earlier. Be able to share their, his their perception and their truth with no judgment and then be accepted, and then be held accountable. So everybody has to make a family contract, we'll do that, and sign it, that we're all going to now operate on healthy family system principles. We're gonna be a healthy family, and this is how we're going to do it. And I'm here to guide you through that. So one quick way that I'm just gonna to leave today with um, a great way in the middle of a pandemic to keep everyone a little bit sane is to create what I called in rock solid families in Foundation Stone 6, to create a devotional atmosphere or 30 minutes of silence in the house. So you can read more about that in the book. I'll give you some tips online. But the, the place to start today that I'm just gonna leave you with today is sometime during the day, whether it's operating at breakfast, lunch, dinner, midday, mid-morning, before everyone goes to bed, depending on the age of your children, this will change and, and it will evolve. But take a time, cut off every digital distraction, TV, screens, everything. So the home is silent, as silent as it can be. And bring everyone together, sit on the floor, sit on the couch and just we used to do it on my older daughter's bed upstairs. We would just all sit on her bed. It was a beautiful canopy bed, big enough for all of us to just sit on the bed. Twins were three. She was seven. You know, we had just moved into a new home. And Rob and I just implemented the simple practice of just gathering, just gathering like a little small group. Your family is your small group, my friends. It's your small group. It's the most important small group ever. And right now you have an opportunity, like it or not, like it or not, work your way through that, 
but sit down with everyone, have a very quiet few moments. It might last two minutes, and then it might make its way to 30. And just check in with each other. How are we doing today? Talk about arguments that happened. Talk about the emotions that were heated or talk about the good things that happened. Speak a healing word over each person. Today I saw in you patience. Samuel, when you waited for your sister to do da-da-da-da-da, that's patience, and I'm so proud that you were able to bring that out today. Patience is hard. I saw you offer her forgiveness for stealing your toy. Have a time of silence where you talk to one another with nothing distracting you. If, you got, if you're going to read a scripture or read a book, don't read it from a real life book so that you don't have a screen in front of you. If you're gonna read from the Bible, I encourage the baseline of relational healthy conflict to me is found in Ephesians 4. And I am just gonna leave you, I'm gonna leave you with um, just one little part of it today. Okay, it's Ephesians 4. Verse 29, Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. You're his child, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, instead, lean in here, friend. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. That's what I have for you today. We will continue this conversation and move forward in how to really have healthy conflict and how to accept and hold one another accountable within our family system so that we, we live in a place, we have a home that is a safe, beautiful, sacred place in which to grow. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.